What's going on, everybody? And welcome to Two Guys in a Fight, the podcast where two guys shoot the shit about all things MMA. My name is PJ. As always, I'm with my man, Brent. What is up, peeps? How are y'all doing? And we are covering uh, last night's UFC 230, which took place at Madison Square Garden, and it was headlined by Daniel Cormier, D.C., uh, against Derek Lewis for the heavyweight title. Not just that, but we're going to talk about everything that we've missed over the past like month that we've True. been in, yeah. on our hiatus. Yeah, I got a different job, my schedule changed, and I our our regular recording schedule took a hit because of that. And we had been pushing stuff and moving stuff and then never getting around to stuff, so... We're back on track now. Yeah, I we, think this schedule works better for us. We kept planning to record over the past couple of weeks, and it just wasn't working out. Things in our professional and personal life were changing a lot. Like PJ's entire life schedule changed within a couple of weeks. Yeah. So we've had to adjust because of that, and we haven't been able to record consistently. And we do apologize for not being able to publish consistent content for you guys who do consistently listen to us. But for those of you who have been patient and are back and listening to us again, you should expect an uh, an episode out of us every single week from here on out for the most part. We might miss here or there, but you can expect some consistent content from us coming forward. So we hope you like it. Yeah, I mean, but also I feel like this break that we took coincided with kind of like the uh, lackluster lineups that the UFC kind of put for us. Oh, well, I guess it's not really the UFC's fault, but like... Last night, for instance, we were just talking about UFC 230, which, if you listen to us on a regular basis, a while back we talked. We had we did an episode purely on the press conference that they did announcing the second half of the fights for UFC and for 2018. Yeah, for yeah. 2018. So there was there was the announcement of. Um, Poirier Diaz for this fight that was supposed to be but that was always slated as the co-main event for so long right and we were always wondering oh what's going to be the main event and then it feels like this kind of just got slopped together last minute and like who gives a shit and then the what ended up being now the co-main event last night was actually the fight before the co-main event <laughs> and that would have been Chris Weidman and uh Luke Rockhold when and then Luke Rockhold got injured so now it's Chris Weidman and and Jacare Souza good fight still nothing to complain about it's just not the lineup that we were expecting and that's happened you know it it, it just it was a good time to take a break, I felt like. Yeah, and, you know, the UFC has had cursed cards in the past. I mean, UFC 223 is a prime example of that, where the main event had, like, five different opponent changes for Habib Nurmagomedov. But it, we took a bit of a break because, I mean, obviously for the reasons that we already stated, but I just felt like the hangover from UFC 229 was just consistent over the weeks. People were, like, new... Um, headlines were popping up about Habib and Connor and Floyd Mayweather and all this other crap that kept coming out. And we wanted to discuss it, and we will later in this episode. But as that was happening, I just felt that this card with UFC 230, it's it was almost like we didn't know what to talk about with this. All that we spoke about regarding this card over the past weeks and episodes was what the hell is going to be the main event? Is it going to be John Jones? And then John Jones's USADA suspension was reduced to 15 months, and we thought he was uh, this was a he was definitely going to headline, and that didn't end up happening. And we were conjuring this idea that the UFC had everything figured out 
behind the scenes and they were going to announce this crazy main event that we weren't prepared for and that they were they were working on so many different things and maybe they were and maybe it just all kind of fell apart but what I saw was the announcement of Valentina Shevchenko versus Sajara Eubanks as the flyweight championship as a main event all the fans freaked out as if what the fuck is going on the UFC denied that this was the case and then they later announced Derek Lewis versus DC and that to me painted a clear picture that the UFC really had no idea what the hell they were doing what they were going to do for this main event and they were lucky that Derek Lewis popped off so hard from UFC 229 by saying my balls was hot yeah. and come the come massive come from behind one against Alexander Volkov. But then as that was taking place, we had so many injuries for this card. Dustin Poirier got injured. Nate Diaz fell off the card. Luke Rockhold got injured just a couple of weeks ago. Um, you remember Yoel Romero versus Paulo Costa were spo- was supposed to be oh, on, this yeah. fight, on, this, on this card too. So this entire card was just initially built up to be so much from that press conference we talked about so long ago. This main event that wasn't actually there and we were you know, talking about what could potentially be the main event. Nothing really ever came to fruition. They just kind of threw together things at the last minute. And then as each fight fell off i still thought in the back of my head this is still a great card right but then as this week approached i'm like oh shit ufc 230s here i go to look at the card and i'm like fuck i'm not really excited about this anymore except for maybe like one or two fights but you know it and it ultimately lived up to as good as it could probably be but i just my excitement for this card tapered off so much as it was approaching yeah i felt i think you felt the same thing oh yeah yeah i really wasn't it just well all right let me tie it in. Let's try to catch up with some things that we missed uh, while we were gone. Last week uh, was Anthony Sn- Smith versus Volkan Ozdemir, right? And the reason that's relevant to what we're talking about today is that DC defended his light heavyweight title against Volkan Ozdemir in his last bout, right? At light heavyweight, right. So that's what was significant about last night was uh, DC's ability to defend his title twice. Or, I'm sorry, both titles at least once, which hasn't happened yet, right? In the same year. Yeah, oh, yeah, and on top of that, in the same year. But so, go back to the Vulcan Ozdemir fight versus Anthony Smith. Did you catch that one? I did. I did get to watch that yeah. fight. Yeah. Well, I, I, so, I'm like, I don't know if I'm high on Anthony Smith now or like, down on Vulcan Ozdemir. I mean, it was a fucking awesome fight, though, right? Like, it was a good fight. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that it, whole card. Honestly, I was I was kind of disappointed we didn't cover it because yeah. they were all good fights on there. I'm not gonna lie. I only watched the top two fights okay, because yeah. I was so far behind on catching yeah, up, yeah. and I did like I I was doing things that night and I haven't had the chance to catch up. But I'm actually watching that fight. I wasn't that like not to discredit Anthony Smith's performance or anything, but I was sort of not impressed with either guy. Like yeah. Volkan Uzdemir, I was expecting more out of because he just lost to DC. You know, he had all this hype behind him. He was knocking out people in just a few seconds and whatnot. And he comes out and fights Anthony Smith, who's also you know putting guys away real early. But he's putting away Shogun, who was way past his prime. Putting away Rashad Evans, who's also way past his prime. So I thought this was going to be a competitive fight. But ultimately, I thought that Volkan would get the job done. And Volkan just he looked good in the opening round. In the second round, he looked pretty good. He controlled Anthony Smith on top, but. It was just kind of a a survival of the fittest in that fight. It was Anthony Smith 
barely outlasting Volkan and landing a hard shot and hurting him and then eventually getting him to the ground and submitting him. And I just felt that Volkan faded so much in that fight. And I think Anthony Smith faded so much as well. I just, I wasn't, like, like I said, I hate to discredit his performance. It was a good win and everything, but I just felt I wasn't that impressed from his performance. I Nothing I saw in that performance makes me think he could beat an Alexander Gustafson or a John okay. Jones yeah, or a DC fair. or anything, but he's got a lot of heart, and to, his record is, I mean, he's got so much MMA experience that for him to finally come to his his own in this year and find his own little niche at light heavyweight, and I think he's got how many fights this year? Like five or something. Yeah, he something lost crazy. the he lost to Tiago Santos at 185, and now he's come up and had like a resurgence at 205. So all the credit to him. But I wasn't really impressed with either guy, if I'm yeah. being honest. It, well, I think yeah. What I meant is like if if you didn't know either guy and you just tuned in as like a casual, just watching a fight. It was a very evenly matched fight, I felt like. It was back and forth. Both dudes were hurt. Both, you know, like it was, it's what I look for in a fight. It, it had me entertained the whole time. I didn't feel like either guy was, uh, I, thought, I thought both were giving it their all. Yeah. So I, I'd agree with whether that. Whether it was their best, you know, or what we would expect to be their potential, I, I don't know if they lived up to that. Right. But they definitely left it all out there. Right. So. Viewing it objectively from the point yeah. point of view from a casual fan, that was definitely an enjoyable fight. Yeah. But if we're watching it, trying to judge skills and whatnot and where their potentials could be, like you had just said, then maybe yeah. you might be disappointed. But watching it just from a, as a yeah. fight uh, standpoint, it was definitely fun to watch. Yeah. So DC beats him. Then he goes back up to uh, heavyweight. Wins his title from Stipe, Miocic. And then last night was his first title defense at heavyweight against Derek Lewis. So I love DC as a heavyweight. I think he is definitely one of the best fighters ever. And if somebody wants to argue that he's the best, I could even see that too. Like, um, the only thing is it's always going to be a star, you know, like an asterisk next to it about John Jones. But anyway, we already know. We've covered that, right? Yeah, it's just regarding who you think is like the greatest of all time. It's yeah. how, what you weigh more important. Do you weigh the actual wins more important? Do you weigh the fact that Jones tested positive more important or whatnot? Do you weigh that and yeah. have that as your asterisk again? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it depends on what you yeah. weigh. Because otherwise, aside from losing to John Jones, he hasn't lost to anybody else. Yeah. He's undefeated at heavyweight, right. undefeated at light heavyweight aside from losing to John Jones twice. So, yeah, it's definitely just how you view it. Yeah. And in our current climate where uh, um, Demetrius Johnson has been shown to have some weakness, right? He lost to Henry Cejudo. And once he was out of the top, it was like, yeah, of course. I just throw DC in there as of right now, right? Sure. So that makes sense. But this fight, this whole fucking goddamn fight card, it like... One, it lost its steam from all the cancellation or the changes of fights and replacement of fighters. But then to well, leaving it empty, that main event slot for so long, leaving us to theorize as fans do and looking at other fan theories and thinking, holy shit, what if it is this? What if it is John Jones coming back? And then, which we'll get to later, but in the John Jones, um, Alexander Gustafson press conference, Somebody asked John Jones, like, hey, were you slated to be the head, uh, you know, the main event for 230? And he was like, yeah, we just couldn't get it worked out. So they were they were working on it. But why don't just fucking tell us that? Like, 
Because well, that's some some shady shit, right? That's how we know that the USADA deal is bullshit. Because if it was transparent, and they were like, "Yes, uh, John Jones is doing all the proper things to get himself out of here uh, in a timely manner," you know, like be done with his suspension. Um, we should. We're hoping to have him there for that main event, but don't. Don't. I'm not promising anything. No, they were trying to be shady in the background to make it work. Right, and then it fucking backfired. Right, but then just stop being shady. Then just fucking get rid of Usada and just be open with your shit. You know, because how I definitely could see if the UFC was trying to plan Jones for that main event, and then these things are happening in the background. Jones says he wasn't physically prepared, and could you believe that? Sure, but take that with a grain of salt because the fact that he, you know, Usada would have been if. They knew, though, right? Like, right. if he had, you know, like, if they were certain they could get this deal worked out, right? And I, I, like you said, I don't think they were really certain, but they ended up getting him, like, right before this car yeah. would take place. Okay, now your suspension's lifted, so if it does come to fruition that you end up headlining, you can do it now. And I feel that because of the date that USADA reduced the suspension to, like on October 20-something, like right before this card took place. I think the UFC saw that and they're like, uh, that looks really sketchy if we headline John Jones on the card and he's coming back right in time conveniently for this card. So I feel like that was one of the reasons why they decided not to headline John Jones for that card because I felt like they would be facing a whole ton of backlash because they haven't been facing as much backlash as like Jones and USADA have right now. But if the UFC decided to headline him on that card, that everyone would be attacking the UFC. Like, what did you do to get him back just for this card? You know what I mean? But we already know, you know, like... Just because he wasn't booked there, you already know there's shady shit going oh, on. Oh, for sure. But the UFC is trying to avoid yeah. as much of a PR nightmare as much as possible. Yeah. But it it they, it's inevitable that they're going to be receiving that backlash. Yeah. But either way, we got our main event. And yeah. it was put together last minute. We could all see it blatantly. The UFC was trying to capitalize off of Derek Lewis's newfound fame that he got from UFC 229. Um, and uh, ultimately, I don't know how the performance of this card will do in regards to pay-per-view buys, but you know, they, they did as, I feel like they did what they could to try to get a main event going for this without actually like having, I, I don't know, I'm not sure what was going on in the background. Maybe, like we said, I guess they were trying to get Jones to headline. I feel like that was their goal, and once they found that date, they realized, let's try not to do this, yeah. and then they shot for something else. They tried to get Yoel Romero and Alexander Gustafson to headline. Um, that didn't happen for the interim light heavyweight title, um, and then they ended up being able to put together a DC and Derek Lewis, so they got something, but we could definitely tell it was put together last second. Yeah, and like... Uh... I agree with Derek Lewis's own self-assessment <laughs> after his win over um, Volkov, mm -hmm. in where, where he said, "Like, yeah, man, I'm not training hard enough. Like, I don't think I deserve the title shot next." And I don't, I, I don't know if that's true. I think he has proven himself. I just do wish they gave him time. What does Derek Lewis look like if he got? a few months off and, and was able to train and do like a full on fight camp. You know what I mean? Like if he slimmed down, what if we got Derek Lewis? Well, we were joking. He's only six two, right? What if Derek Lewis fought at two Oh five? What if he really fucking trained? dude? Yeah. He would kill. 
you know? Oh, he would Rex, he would knock some dudes dead at 205 if he could drop that weight. Right. If, but I I feel like when we're talking about giving him a full type of camp for DC and seeing what happens, I think Derek Lewis is classically going to be the same type of person who doesn't take training very seriously, is going to be reliant on his big punching power. And unless you saw like a... we. And this is no disrespect to Derek Lewis because he he did deserve a title shot. If we're being honest, he was the number two ranked heavyweight. Yeah. He's nine and one in his past ten fights. He's I think he's got he's tied for the most knockouts in UFC heavyweight history. It's not that he didn't earn his title shot. It's just the way we watch him fight, and then his own like you said self assessment of his performances. He says he's not ready for a title shot, but you know the UFC are like yeah let's go ahead and do it. But I don't think that a longer training camp would have necessarily benefited him because we haven't seen a, a, a like his performances trend in the right direction where we're seeing gradual improvements every single fight. It's the kind of the same story with Derek Lewis every fight. It's he sits back, he waits, he waits for his moment, and then he capitalizes. But I haven't really seen any skill improvements from him. Yeah. So I don't... I mean, maybe, and I'm only going off of like his seeming like self-realization of like oh damn man i'm actually really out of shape yeah you know like when he did that he was just like full-on admitting like yeah man i only train 30 minutes a day like <laughs> i need to get my my ass in shape like right. and he was saying that like and i was like yes i agree like we all know this i'm finally i'm glad that you're finally seeing that and i would just love to see like a fully healthy in shape uh Derek Derek lewis, lewis. Yeah. against dc i agree with that like later you know like we didn't need this right now but if you've like if we have seen Derek lewis's post-fight interviews he's done a lot of his fights he'll like say man my performance sucked i got lucky you know i yeah. he, i need to work on this after every performance and okay. he does virtually well, the yeah. same thing that's why i'm like trying to play like devil's advocate yeah, yeah, here yeah. in regards to what you're saying but like i feel like even if Derek Lewis was given a full training camp, this was probably going to be the same result unless he took training seriously, unless he took improving his takedown defense seriously. I just feel like he knows what he needs to do. He just doesn't want to do it a lot of times. Yeah. And he's been able to rely on his power. I mean, the guy, like we said, he's 9-1 in his past 10 fights. He's able to rely on that knockout power to just put dudes away. So why worry about training anything else? And then he gets against DC. But ultimately, ultimately like, he got a lot out of this fight. He didn't seem too upset that he lost. I feel like he knew what was coming. Um, we if, all if he, knew what was coming. Right. If it wasn't, f unless he was able to land the giant right hand, he probably wasn't going to be able to stuff any of DC's takedowns, which he didn't. Um, and, I mean, the guy got a lot out of this fight. He got paid a shit ton of oh, money. Yeah. He got a Popeye's contract. Yeah. He got a, a shit ton of followers prior after his... Uh, uh, went at UFC 229, so he's benefited a lot from this. So in Derek Lewis's mind, this whole situation is a win for him, and I, I think yeah. at least I think he's definitely disappointed that he lost. But at the same time, it's like you can't be too upset with the the short notice of the fight, knowing that there were these large gaps in skill sets between yeah. DC and him that it just wasn't gonna be able to close. Yeah, it's crazy, like how somebody who is not so well-rounded can still rise to the top of even the UFC, which in my mind is like the top of the top, right? It's, it's very weird that like a man who basically has a head kick and a right cross can be the number two ranked heavyweight, you know? Yeah. It seems like you need more than that. 
I think that's a testament to the UFC's heavyweight division with just how easy it is to get KO'd in that division. Yeah. And if you if you pack enough power and you're able to land that shot at any point in the fight, like Derek Lewis is notorious for losing the majority of his fights to the point where he's about to lose the decision or something, just right. like the Alexander right. Volkov fight, and he comes back with like 15 seconds left, right. or even if it if it happens midway in the second round, he's he's usually losing until he wins for the most part. Right. And um, like we, there was a moment a couple of years ago where I was seeing good, you know, um, like a good tra- like trajectory of skill advancement for him. And then it kind of tapered off, and he's been sort of content with everything because he's winning still. Right. And I feel like in the UFC's heavyweight division, it's easier to be able to rely on power versus any other division. And if you've got decent enough hands and you're able to land that shot at any point in the fight, Derek Lewis has just done that. Yeah. He's done the bare minimum, and he's gotten by at the UFC's heavyweight division. Yeah. Skill sets can be thrown out the window as soon as that right hand lands for him. So I just feel like... That's why he was able to succeed so much, but DC put an end to that last yeah. night. Yeah, I mean, what's like? I mean, if with that said, who is going to give DC problems at heavyweight? Not Brock Lesnar. <laughs> no, and again, I don't care about that fucking uh, we, fight. Real quick, let's recap what happened in the fight. Then I want to talk about this Brock Lesnar match because I'm like so fed up with this shit, and I, I really genuinely want to know. For those of you listening, if you, I want to know what your opinion is. Just say hashtag for Brock <laughs> or hashtag against Brock and, and tweet, tweet at us. us. Yeah. Let us know if you really actually give a shit about this fight because I don't. And I can't imagine a, a true UFC fan who really would would rather see this over like DC John Jones round three or something yeah. like that. You know, the thing is. It, I don't. I haven't seen much fan interest for this fight. This was something that was, you know, Brock Lesnar showed up for that UFC 226 card over the summer, and he came in and shoved DC in this whole WWE type, you know, chaos, quote unquote, happened in the octagon. It was reported by ESPN. All this hype was building up about this potential Brock Lesnar fight, and people were kind of excited at that point. At least certain fans were. Not me and you. We well, haven't been excited since. Make that it point. the next fucking fight. Then. Exactly. If if you're going to exactly. hype it up, don't just start some weird drama that now we have to sit through this dumb last minute fight that you just came up with off the top of your head and 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 make us wait for this dumb synthesized drama that you guys made in the ring one time. <laughs> now cuz by the time you're going to do this, I'm going to have forgotten about that, you know, like or realized how irrelevant it was because he didn't end up fighting him next anyway. Right. So why start? Like, it's just so stupid. I think the timing was poor because Lesnar's USADA suspension doesn't even end until, like, January. So maybe if they wanted to try to make this thing happen, do it closer to where Brock can actually compete, for one. Number two, I think Brock Lesnar competing in the UFC at this point is just, there's no point. Like, why? He had his run in the UFC. It's like Brock only comes back when it's like, hey, you know, Brock, can we get some pay-per-view buys from you? It's like when the UFC is starting to struggle and they want some pay-per-view buys, that's when Brock comes back to help them out and benefit them. And Brock is like 
gets tested positive for some shit and then goes back to the WWE, loads up on steroids again, (laughs) stops, you know, weans off of the steroids, comes back and then puts on like a subpar performance and sells a good amount of pay-per-views, then goes back to the WWE and does his thing again. It's like, I'm over this shit as a fan. I don't see why fans are even excited to see him compete, especially against DC. He's going to lose against DC. Brock Lesnar is like 41 years old at this point too, has competed, I think, one time in the past like five or six years or something what's even the point right now to even make that fight and like i said with the timing this you know that whole you know interaction happened altercation happened at usc 226 that's long forgotten about at this point especially with everything that happened with like habib and connor and whatnot all the headlines circling around habib and connor after their fight no one really gives a shit and even the this whole dc Derek lewis thing it's like people were like kind of excited about it but not really everyone's like well what about the brock lesnar fight oh we'll see what happens i feel like the only person interested in the brock lesnar fight is daniel cormier (laughs) i know if i'm being honest and he's obsessed with it and he is is not realizing how little that's coming through to the other side. Like, yeah, that's fine if you're excited, but I'm the fan who's going to pay to watch you fight, and I'm not going to pay for that. I just don't care as much as you think I do. Right, and he, I feel like because he competed on one card with Brock Lesnar and had some pay-per-view points from it, I was like, oh, shit, I got quite a bit of money from this because it was at UFC 200 where Brock was on the card. And he thinks that... I mean, Brock has fought on cards that haven't sold the best. Like, Brock fought against Alistar Overeem at, like, New Year's Eve back in, like, 2011 or something. I don't think it's sold that great. And if there's no hype built around this Lesnar comeback, which, in my opinion, I don't think the hype's going to be that high. If I'm being brutally honest, I think a Jones-DC3 fight does way better on pay-per-view than DC Brock Lesnar right now. Yeah. I mean, wait, so how did that Alistair Overeem-Brock Lesnar fight go? Is that when Alistair shredded his stomach? Yeah. is that that's who did that? Yeah, Overeem yeah. destroyed him in the first round. It yeah. was brutal. It was I remember that battering. But it's like that was kind of hyped. And I don't even think that did that great on yeah. pay-per-view. And Overeem had a huge following at the time too. And Overeem, this was his first fight in the UFC. This was really built up. And I don't think it did that great. I could be wrong. We could look it up and fact check. Yeah. But I just like I just I don't have any desire to see Brock Lesnar get his ass kicked by DC. At the time of UFC 226, I was like, you know, whatever, that's fine. I'd be kind of interested in that. Now the interest is completely yeah. out the window. I'm not interested at all in it, and it's no. just I would much rather see Daniel Cormier fight John Jones a third time, honestly, or even like Alexander Gustafson or something along or those lines. Fucking Curtis Blades. Sure. Yeah. I'd be more interested why in that. Why is this so hard? You know, like why? Especially if Blades com- you know, shows out against Francis Ngannou next month. Shit. Or I think later this month. I thought he should have gotten the title shot a long time ago. Yeah. Remember this when we when we first started talking about this before him and Ngannou got booked and at, like after the uh fucking Derek Lewis and Ngannou fight. I was like, dude, Lewis, or I'm sorry, Blades is the only true contender yeah. option. Yeah. He's the only one that's consistently improved, who really looks like the next real beast of the division. I think the UFC is scared to maybe main event him and pay, put him because uh, he's in a gonna title fight. kill them. Well, that and they also haven't done the best job promoting him yet. 
Well, so, all they need to do is book him against DC, and he's going to give DC at least a, a run for his money, yeah. and he may win. He and could. people are going to be like, whoa, who the fuck was this dude? Where was he the whole time? Yeah. How did he sneak up there? When right. really, he's really just been putting in the work, and no one's been paying attention. Yep. So, I don't know. I just, I think this whole Brock Lesnar thing is this, it's it's this weird fight that dc is just like and there's no disrespect to dc either because he's done he deserves this type of big fight in his career i mean he's had plenty of big fights in his career but he doesn't have anything to prove at this point so i can understand from his perspective why he would want this type of fight it's pretty easy for the most part um it's it would it sure would sell a decent amount of pay-per-views he gets to fight brock lesnar you know as i guess it's a dream fight for him or whatever i don't fucking know mm. but for him, I can see it, but if he just wants to maybe do some looking around and see what the fans' takes are and right. see what try to gauge their level of interest, most people, from what I can see, aren't really interested in that fight. I'm sure as hell not. No. I don't know why anyone really would be. Brock Lesnar is far past his athletic prime. He's doing WWE shit. That's what he's done consistently over the past like six, seven, eight years. Why is it necessary to bring him back for this fight? Just to, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not interested in it. I feel like the only people who are are like certain media members who absolutely love Brock Lesnar for right, whatever reason. He's a keyword. <laughs> exactly. You know? yeah. That's all it is. There you go. He he's, is a keyword. He's a he's a very high trending keyword sometimes. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, Brock Lesnar, yeah, Brock yeah. Lesnar. And DC's like, yeah, man, I want that fight. That's the one I want. And just ignore like let's just fucking do john jones dc3 right screw it just fucking do it right why not i i understand why dc would not want to do it he wouldn't want to lose a third time to right. john jones ending his career like that he would rather end it on top against brock lesnar and just have the whole john jones saga you know he lost to him twice but the last one has an asterisk on it for most people for a lot of people's um opinions so i feel like that's why dc is doing that and i get it but man i just i'm not interested in that lesnar fight no. at all no but so then you know it, the fight went the way it went the way we knew it was kind of going to go, we knew, everybody knew, it's not even an opinion really, that Derek Lewis had one chance to win and DC had many, you know, different routes to victory, I guess is what I mean to say. And Derek Lewis never got the chance to land that shot and DC ended up wearing him down in the first round and, and grabbing his back in the second round and locking in a choke and... I just, I don't know. That, that went the way I thought it was going to go. I wasn't that pump for this fight to begin with so no i this goes. i mean that's exactly how the fight was gonna go it was exactly how it was gonna go i didn't see it happening any other way except for you know like we said Derek lewis landing this crazy punch which he almost did it was yeah. a couple times he yeah. almost landed hard i think dc got rocked at one time I think he just got, for like a split second but he mentioned that i think a hammer fist hit his eye as he was uh taking him down and that kind of made him blink for 30 seconds or so but that yeah. was about it um it went exactly as planned it i didn't see it going down any other way um derrick lewis couldn't stop the single leg takedown at all um it was interesting though if you saw the post-fight press conference with dc did you see that uh no he said that he sneezed yesterday and pulled his back and almost had to pull out of the fight dc dc yeah 
he said um, about getting up there in age and whatnot. And he said he sneezed and pulled his back. (laughs) And he almost had to pull out the fight. He said it was around 1 o'clock noon. Um, He was getting some work done at UFCPI, some stem cell stuff. And then he was really considering possibly like having to maybe consider whether or not he's going to fight. He's like, wait, wait, let me let me take a nap and see what happens. He took he takes a nap. He goes on a walk. He starts feeling a little bit better. He gets some more work done and he decided he was going to fight. So we almost had a pull out last minute the day of the fight. Um, So that was interesting, too. But. Another little added tidbit. For yeah, the fight. that's interesting. Yeah, but it, it wasn't exactly how I thought it was going to go. And yeah. for people who try to discredit DC's greatness, you're out of your mind. The guy's one of the best fighters of all time. He's accomplished so much in combat sports. Um, his only losses are to John Jones. And the more DC wins, the better it makes John Jones look, too. Yeah. And I mean, both of those guys are just like two of the greatest mixed martial artists to ever do it and it's amazing that we got to see them compete against each other two times and we get to see them compete at the same time roughly of their primes yeah i almost wish we could have gotten dc over into mma sooner to see what he would have done maybe in his 20s and whatnot in his early 30s he didn't come over to mma i I think until like his early 30s or late mid 30s so it would be interesting to see what he could have done then but you know, he's. it just shows how damn good he is right now. He's like 39 right. years old, still killing it. So props to DC. You did your thing. Yeah. Well, let's talk uh, Chris Weidman and Jacare Souza. What was your What were your thoughts coming into this fight? After, were you, were you disappointed when uh, Rockhold was not going to be a part of the fight? I was definitely disappointed that we didn't get to see Luke Rockhold's awkward hand gestures. Oh, the well, we still saw him last night. Yeah. <laughs> While After DC, DC was won. celebrating, he was still resting his left arm on people. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love watching Luke Rockhold. Just I just love watching his body language. It's he's so awkward. He never knows what to do with his hands. Yeah, he just doesn't know what to do in general. But yeah, I was definitely disappointed that we didn't get to see Luke. I wanted to see Luke and Chris go at it again. I feel like Chris's entire training camp was geared towards Luke Rockhold, and he had to pull out. I think what two weeks beforehand. So. I feel like that's a better matchup for Chris Weidman Against than Jacare. Than Jacare. Really? You think so? Yeah. Why? Well, because he's already fought him once, and he won, right? He lost. Oh, he lost? Rockhold beat him the first time. Oh, my bad. No, you're good. Don't worry. No, Rock, it oh, was then a, that's a horrible matchup. Yeah, no, I'm just No, joking. but it was a close <laughs> but, fight. No, But they're very wrong. similar yeah. kind of people, right? For the most part. You know, Chris is a better wrestler than Luke, but Luke is better on the ground and better as a grappler. Okay. And I think Luke is a better striker, but Chris might be a better boxer. Okay. So I think it was, I would say that, I I, I, wouldn't, I think they were both very, pretty difficult fights for Chris. Okay. I don't think one was harder than the other, but I, I still would have liked to see that fight because I wanted to see Jacare and David Branch compete, and I wanted to see Romero and Costa compete, and I wanted to see Diaz and Poirier. I yeah. was just disappointed this whole fucking card yeah. fell apart the way it did. But I, it's like I wasn't that excited for Weidman and Jacare. It was like, oh, cool. It just seems like a weird fight. Like It's like, what happens here? I mean, the only one that stands to gain is Jacare. Yeah, and it's like, well, no, I think Chris definitely had a lot to gain from winning this fight if yeah. he were to win. Yeah, because Jacare's only two losses recently are um, he lost to 
Kelvin Gaslam and Robert Whitaker, who are fighting for the title. Um, everyone else, I think he lost to Yoel Romero, but that's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. Those are his only losses. He's got a lot of really, really, really good wins. I think he's like the number two, number three, or number four ranked middleweight Wait, in the world. Wait, you're talking about... Jacare. Jacare? I think he's... Okay, maybe he might be number four or something, but he's up there. Yeah, he's, they have him at number five. As oh, five? Of, yeah. Okay, so he'll definitely jump over Weidman yeah. in the rankings. And that's what I mean. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, because Weidman was above him. Okay. Uh, Chris Weidman was number three. Mm. And so we've got number four, Kelvin Gastelum, fighting for the title. So really, like... And then Romero's one and Rockhold's two, right? My thing is, like, I understand where these guys are coming from when they try to dodge fights from tough opponents beneath them. Yeah. Because, like, you can... You're setting yourself up... Like, the stakes are too high. I'd rather my stakes be that I'm fighting a dude that everyone's saying I can't beat because then if I win, I've shocked the world. But if I lose, well, then fuck it. You know, I, right. I wasn't supposed to win that fight anyway. Exactly. But if I'm fighting a guy who I'm supposed to beat and he's much, you know, ranked lower than me, which we don't give a shit about rankings necessarily. They're but the fighters of, do. Kind of a poor representation right. of where people stand. But, like, if, you know, if there's a guy that you're supposed to beat... That to me, the stakes are worse in the, in that sort of fight because right. you better not fucking lose. You can't slip a single little bit, you know. No, I wholeheartedly agree with you, and I think you are more so right. You're more right than I thought you were because I thought they were closely ranked. I, th- I thought Jacare was actually ahead of Weidman for some reason, but Weidman was ahead of Jacare, and then he was fighting Rockhold, who was ahead of him. So it was a much better positioning fight for the rankings right. for Weidman initially. And he's preparing his whole training camp for a rematch with Rockhold, who he's already fought before, knows a little bit better. Now he's switching to Jacare out of the yeah. blue. But Jacare has an opponent change, too. He was supposed to fight Dave Branch, and now he's fighting Chris Weidman. So right. a big opponent change. Do you think that Jacare could have beat Dave Branch? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So then if Chris Weidman went and fought Luke Rockhold, and this fight stayed the same, say that Chris Weidman lost he'd probably just fight Jacare next, right? But at least he got that one good fight warm-up against the high, you know, the highest-ranked guy that we have right now. Right. And he probably would have fared better against Jacare in that, that fight, you know? Yeah, no, I agree, because yeah. he comes off after this very long layoff, hasn't fought since Kelvin Gaslam, I think of, like, July 2017. I think it would have been better if he lost to Rockhold, who's high, higher ranked. Yeah. And then if Jacare wins in, they could have a fight. Then he's preparing entirely for Jacare. Um, you know, it's not to discredit Chris's performance, because I think he performed well. I think he was winning the majority of the fight. I do think Jacare, I think it was very closely competitive. Yeah, though. it was I, a fun fight. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the hell out of this fight. We haven't even talked about that. I was just talking about the lead up. But right. leading up, I wasn't that excited, like I was saying, just because I was more so interested in those fights that were already booked. This one gets put together, and it's like, Weidman and Jacare haven't fought before? Really? That's surprising. But they did. And it was a lot of fun because Jacare wanted to keep it standing, which was interesting. I thought Jacare might look for some more takedowns because Jacare is significantly better on the ground than Chris Weidman. But Weidman's good on the ground, but Jacare is just that fucking good on the ground. Yeah. And Weidman is trying to keep it standing because he doesn't want to go to the ground with Jacare. Right. But Jacare's boxing was very tight. His head movement was good. Um, he had Chris backing up quite a bit. And then Chris also had Jacare backing up quite a bit. Weidman rocked Jacare in the first round, landed some hard shots in the second round. But it's like every time Chris 
through these hard combinations, Jacare would be right there and he'd come right back with his hard combinations too. And it just felt like Chris was fading a little bit more than Jacare as the fight went on. Jacare, I feel, had Chris moving backwards a little bit more in the fight, had him moving a little bit more and just was getting him, getting his energy levels down lower as the fight was taking place. And Jacare was slowing down, but I felt Jacare was still like still throwing heat throughout the entire fight and of course he landed that counter right hand right to it was right on like the, <laughs> the right forehead. above the eye the forehead yeah. and it, Chris was done after that yeah. but it was really back and forth i mean i thought chris won the first round i thought the second round i thought i honestly thought jacare won the second yeah. round yeah the the judges actually had it 2018 for weidman going into that third round okay so if uh, if Chris had at least held on to the decision, he would have right, won yeah. the decision. So, and it was towards the end of that third round that Chris got KO'd. So, huge win for Jacare. I mean, yeah. great performance. What did you think of it? Yeah, I thought he looked awesome. I thought he. I just had a feeling like throughout the fight, like he was going to win. It was just a matter of time. When was that shot going to land? Um, I had that feeling too. Yeah, you could just tell, like, yes, maybe Weidman technically was winning the fight, but I just knew Souza just looked, you know, better in better shape. You know, he didn't look look as tired. I even saw during round one. Remember, Souza landed that that body. It was like a body uppercut, kind of right to yeah. the to the. And I after that, I noticed that Chris Weidman was like. <gasps> <sighs> like huffing, you know, and so I feel like his cardio wasn't near what Souza's was last night, and I just was waiting for Chris to like get sloppy, and I don't know if that's what led to that punch landing, but I know that Souza turned it on in the third round, like he just started walking him down, and then just picked his shots and landed that one. So I do think Chris got a little sloppy towards the end, and he was doing something that I wasn't really sure why he was doing it. As he was backing up, he was throwing shots, and they didn't have... He didn't plant his feet at all. He was moving backwards while, like, throwing out a lead right hand. And it was weird to me because you're exposing yourself while doing that. One of your defenses is going away because you're trying to throw offense, and Jacare is just coming forward, planting his feet, throwing these bombs. And I, I didn't really understand. I was like, why are you throwing those shots as you're backing up? And then I think it was once again while he was backing up, I think he threw a right hand. Jacare had way more heat on it, and that's the one that KO'd yeah. him. So I, I saw Chris fading as the fight was going on. Um, I thought initially he looked really good. I thought his striking looked much better than it usually does. I thought his boxing was tightened up. He wasn't checking any leg kicks, though. Jacare was lighting up that front leg. And um, eventually Chris just kind of wilted under the pressure, like you were saying. And it just seemed that Jacare was a little bit more prepared. His boxing was a little bit tighter. Um, and it just, as you were watching it, it almost became an inevitability that that was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, how hard, how hard are you punching... To knock somebody out by punching them in their forehead. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> you know what, what I'm saying. I mean? Like, that's, you know, normally when you get a KO, it's because you caught them right on that button of their chin and you've turned their skull at such a rate of speed that it, like, twists the brain around and that's what causes the knockout. But to knock somebody out with just a straight, blunt force, you're throwing with some insane power. You yeah. know, to make that happen. And then, so what did you think of this stoppage? 
Oh right, remember that? About like that. He, yeah. he, that was shit. That was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> Jacare did great by deciding. You know, I'm what the hell? Like this shit's over. Yeah, like, he's done. And I, I guess Dan Mergliata didn't see what Weidman's face was like when he fell. But you should have told. You should have been able to tell by the body language as soon as Weidman fell, he was out. He was right. done. There was no going back. And it just. I don't know if he missed something or. Maybe he was trying to give Chris every single chance possible. You know, it's a big fight. And I feel like the UFC wanted Weidman to win, I'm sure. Maybe there's, I don't know if there's a little something going on there, but you got to stop that fight there. You have to. And Jacare, mercifully, like mercifully, I think threw another couple shots yeah. not that hard. And he was like, what the hell? Like, stop yeah. the damn fight. He's done. Like, he's he is done. He is out barely grabbing onto my legs for dear yeah. life as he's barely conscious if he even was so uh, it's a good thing that jacare didn't just go ham afterwards um he wanted the fight to be stopped and mergliata should have been on top of that everyone yeah. makes mistakes but that that one was pretty bad that was pretty not bad. a good yeah i was like stop that fucking fight yeah uh so before that we had david branch versus jared cannoneer which uh, i gotta look it up real quick because I believe Cannoneer... Um, real, real quick, yeah. I wanted to... When we fact-checked the Brock Lesnar-Alistair Overeem fight, I know this is way off topic, but yeah, that fight only did 780,000 pay-per-view buys. So okay. that's good, but Lesnar's known for drawing like a million. Uh-huh. And so, honestly, DC and John Jones could probably draw more yeah. for a third time, if I'm being honest. But back to topic. Yeah. Jared Cannoneer. Uh, give me one... This is fucking thrilling podcasting material we got going. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Dominic Reyes, who fought OSP on what card? The last one. The last one. Two twenty nine. Okay, yeah, two twenty nine. That's the fight that I saw Jared Cannonier in. And remember, I said like it was kind of a boring fight until like until Dominic Reyes just landed on Cannonier and dropped him. You yes. remember that? that yeah. That's that's where I first saw him. So like, but that was at two o five, and so now Jer- Jared Cannonier has come down to one eighty five, and he just looks like twice as big as everybody. I feel like that he's just there's no fat on him anymore. Like no. he's just pure muscle, and uh, I feel like the just the look on David Branch's face was like whoa. You know, like when when when, when Cannoneer hit. was landing, yeah, you just could tell it was coming with some power that is not. And this is like Brand, David Branch is like a top level dude at one eighty five, yeah. And to be shocking him with power is pretty big, right? Like, yeah. So I feel like this dude, and and again, this is one of those situations. I think David Branch was number five, ranked number five, and Cannoneer was unranked last night mm-hmm. at one eighty five. I think first fight at one eighty five, yeah. So that's such a dangerous thing to take, uh, like yeah, fight taking this for fight, Branch. Yeah. And of course, the, I mean, it only took two rounds, and Cannoneer dropped him and TKO'd him. And I mean, it was ultra impressive. I mean, was there a time when Branch was uh, like in control of the fight at I all? I think in the first round, there were moments where he was controlling. I think he got him down once or twice. He yeah. looked pretty good in that first round, I thought. But Cannonier was still... It just seemed that Dave Branch's punches were coming with, like, 
way less steam than Cannoneers. And Cannoneer threw hard at light heavyweight, but he just seemed to have that size disadvantage. Yeah. He comes into light and in, in the middleweight division now and he just looks like a whole different type of beast. Yeah. So I'm excited to see he what he's got. He looked way more confident forward. to me. Yeah. Last night than he did in that Dominic Reyes fight. Absolutely. I think um I don't know what it was. I think Reyes is a big ass dude, especially for being 205 pounds. Mm-hmm. That maybe have been it and I don't know. I just feel like he looked slower at 205, obviously. I mean, you're that much heavier, but um I think this is exactly where he needs to be. 100%. And last night with all the middleweight fights that happened last night. I mean, the whole card was middleweight besides mm-hmm. the um the main, main event. event. God damn, like that's like quickly becoming my one of my favorite divisions, you know? Like there's Absolutely. so many heavy hitters, but they're sh- light enough to be really quick too, so you've got like explosiveness and you've got power too. Oh, damn, dude. It's a fun division. Yeah. So, yeah, so shout out to um who are we? Doing? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Shout out to uh, Jared Cannonier for that, and also on getting uh, his first bonus check. We were just yeah. watching before we started recording um, that he was in a, in the post fight press conference um, saying like, "Yeah, man, I better get that, uh, you know, that bonus." And then they told him on the spot like he got it, so he was really hyped about that. So yeah, props to Jared Cannonier. He came in in this fight. And he wasn't really expected to do too much. Last-minute replacement, David Branch is one of these guys who's a vet in the sport and has a lot of really good wins at middleweight in the World Series of Fighting. He was the World Series of Fighting middleweight and light heavyweight champion and defended both titles and everything. He was their double champ. Comes back over to the UFC because he he had a run in the UFC a long time ago. He gets one over, I think, Christoph Yatko. Um, he loses to Luke Rockhold, no shame in that. He wins his last fight in very impressive fashion against Tiago Santos and has this fight lined up against Jacare. And for Dave Branch, everything just kind of crumbled in front of him, unfortunately, because he loses the Jacare fight. You know, he gets his last-minute replacement, Jared Cannonier. Everyone's expecting him to win. He was a huge favorite going into this fight. And Jared Cannonier coming down from 205, who had some struggles up there because everyone was just kind of bigger than him. Comes into 185 and just inserts his role right there. He's probably going to be in the top 10 now. Easy after this performance. Destroys David Branch in the second round. That overhand right. Perfectly timed. And this was after Branch landed a nice right hand too. And Branch had some success in that first round. But man, Jared Kennanier was impressive. And like you said, that ground and pound and just the punching. Oh my God, yeah. His punches were ferocious. And just you could feel the impact and the difference in power from branch to uh cannoneer and extremely impressive performance and middleweight's got to look out for this guy because he's got quick hands he's got good boxing very good stand-up if anything he just needs to work a little bit on the wrestling defense and this ground game um i think he'll struggle against guys like luke rockhold and the the top of the division and people who can you know get him to the ground but you know, anyone who strikes with him, they got to be careful of his hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's gonna be dan- he's gonna be a dangerous fight for anybody above him though, too. Sure. Yeah. As he as he keeps fighting in this division, he's dangerous for anyone in there. I mean, he's coming down from two hundred five. Yeah, he's dangerous to anyone. It's just he does have a few holes in his game. Yeah, if he sharpens up those tools as he moves forward, and I, th- I don't I don't think he's very old either. I'm not sure what his age is, um, but I I don't think he's 
been competing that long in MMA. So thirty four. Oh, he's thir- really? Huh? What's his record? Can you see? Eleven and four. Okay, so he's still kind of <laughs> young MMA wise in the sport. He hasn't competed for that long, it seems. Um, Although it's probably twelve and four now. Yeah. Last night. Yeah, but. Um, so I'm looking forward to see what he does in this new weight class. A lot of times people just need a new weight class to rejuvenate themselves and really start almost a new career. Um, we've seen guys in the past entirely change their careers from just simply moving weight classes. Um, who's one of those people? Uh, uh, Kelvin Gaslam and Robert Whitaker, especially Robert Whitaker is one of those people. He was at 170. He was just kind of a mid-tier guy. Moves up to 185, isn't cutting as much weight, and he's mowing dudes down. So. Mm-hmm. You know, a weight class change can really benefit fighters a lot. So yeah. good to see Jared Kennanier get a win. Yeah. In very impressive fashion. Yeah. Uh, the fight before that was Carl Robertson versus Jack Marshman. Is it Robertson or Robertson? I think it's Robertson, right? Robertson. Yeah. Did I say Robertson? I think so. Uh, yeah, that was, um, again, Jesus Christ, man. Middleweight, man. Like, Carl Robertson was swinging. He was. He was throwing I mean, leather. He has holy. some good boxing. And and shout out to Marshman for having a chin to withstand that barrage. I mean, that was we were joking because uh, Robertson came out from the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender series, and I made the joke in that fight of like you know Marshman was probably like thinking like had people around him saying like oh man you got this fight no problem like this guy's brand new you're gonna smoke his ass and then him going is this the same dude y'all were telling me about <laughs> he's like in he's the hitting octagon. way harder than y'all told me he would he's like in the octagon yelling at his coaches like pointing yeah. out what is this shit <laughs> yeah man he looked he looked like a real vet last night and i don't know much about marshman and his skill level and how you know what that means for Robertson and his performance last night, but damn man, he looked like the vet. Robertson looked like the vet, and Marshman's twenty two and eight, so he's he's not new yeah. to the sport. So I mean, that was a big time win for Robertson last night. He just, I mean, that dude's scary too, man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it was a, it was definitely a good win on the main card of the Madison Square Garden pay per view where. He wasn't supposed to be on the main card, and he took advantage of the situation. I think he was only going to be on the uh, on the Fox prelims or the excuse me the FS1 prelims. So he definitely took advantage, showcased some really good boxing technique, his skills. Um, he had fast hands, very powerful hands. I was surprised that Marshman was able to take a lot of those shots, and overall just kind of dominated the whole fight. Yeah, um, most he got hit a few times too. Mar- Marshman was able to stick in the pocket and land a few shots too, but. Most of the time, it was Robertson dominating. So impressive performance. Give him kind of like a top fifteen guy next. I like to yeah. see what he can do moving forward. Yeah. Not really like top ten or top five or anything like that. He's he's got a little bit of work to do. Um, he's still young in his career, and even though he seemed like the vet last night, but I like to see him against like a top fifteen guy. Yeah, and it's just giving more and more credibility to how valid the uh, Tuesday Night Contender series really is. Sure. Because, yeah, I mean, every dude that comes out of there that gets a chance, it's like they're a real, like they're a real contender. You yeah. know, like, I mean, Sh- uh, Shane, um, Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley, this guy, Carl Robertson. Who else is from there? What is it? Um, oh, man, I can't remember his, uh, his name. Oh, he was, he was like the John Jones type of, uh, fighter what was it about bevan lewis i think yeah 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 we haven't i'd like to see him compete in the ufc but he definitely showcased some really good skills what about that guy that fought tiago santos 
and oh um uh was it kevin holland yeah yeah he yeah. looked pretty good too so a lot of guys are coming out of there showing out you know showing their showcasing their skills yeah i'm excited to see um man what's his name the guy who had the crazy fight with mike davis um remember that insane striking match he was from nigeria oh shit i'm um, blanking on the name Youssef. Yes, yeah, uh, Sadiq, Sadiq Youssef. 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 Yeah, Sadiq Youssef. that dude. Yep. He threw some... I'm really excited for his UFC debut. That's got to be coming soon. Yeah. Um, but man, a lot of guys are coming out of that contender series yeah. throwing heat. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to... And even um, in the last card, uh, I'm blanking on his name too, but he fought um, Vicente Luque. Um, and uh, he looked pretty good, but he was just a little kind of out of his element. He was kind of thrown in there last minute, um, and he got knocked out in the first round. But he looked pretty good for the most part, and he's definitely got contender type eventually written all over him. Um, yeah. So I'm look. I don't know. I'm looking for. I the contender series has sprouted a lot of really good guys and guys who can just kind of blend right in with the divisions and really compete for a top spot. So. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to next Jaylen year's Jalen Turner. Jalen yeah, Turner, yeah, there we yeah. go. He looked good, but he just kind yeah. of looked... Uh, he Luke was is a vet. He's a very highly skilled contender in that division. And yeah. he was given a little bit too much too quickly, in yeah. my opinion, Jalen Turner was. But um, yeah, that, that contender series is always something to watch out for yeah and greg hardy's coming up and doing his thing too i'm looking for he's probably going to be competing <clears throat> in the ufc soon and he's probably going to start mowing down some ufc heavyweights yeah. So, yeah i wonder what i really wonder what he's gonna look like in there yeah um all right but yeah and then to start the card off we got our boy israel right. adesanya yeah, versus I was, Derek brunson i was about to say i want to i want to talk about this honestly i was more interested in this fight yeah. than any other fight on the card this we've is kinda, why i tuned in right we've kind of rambled on about everything regarding the 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 main event and the the making of it and whatnot and actually transpiring and um, but man, this was one of the main reasons I tuned in last night because all the other exciting fights were falling off. And this was the one middleweight bout that stayed intact. And Israel Desanya has had a lot of hype from a lot of people. Um, and we were one of the people who we thought we were on the bandwagon before other people, but everyone else knew about this guy way before us, his kickboxing record, his early MMA career and everything. He makes his UFC debut back in February. Um, he does his thing, I think, at the UFC Perth card um, at UFC 222 or 221, um, and then he fights again against Marvin Vittori in April later this earlier this year, she does his thing against Brad Tavares, and now, I mean... That last night's performance was his best one, I think, in the UFC by far yet. Yeah. I mean, all the questions that we were wondering about going into that fight against Brunson were answered abruptly. Yeah, definitely. I again, like, I didn't know too much about Derek Brunson going in. I had to look him up um, when, when this fight was announced. I went back through his fight catalog and watched his Robert Whitaker fight. And who else did he fight big time? I mean, he's fought, he's like, fought a lot of big, big names. Dudes. He yeah. fought Anderson. He fought Leota Machida. He's fought um, Jacare twice. Um, a lot, he's, he should have probably beat Anderson Silva. That decision probably should have gone to Brunson. Um, Brunson does. He, was, he fought Yoel Romero as well. He was be- beating Yoel Romero like the whole fight until he got knocked out at the end. Um, he, was, he gave Robert Whitaker some trouble. 
Um, Jacare, not as much, but he did knock out Leona Machida. Um, he knocked out Uriah Hall as well. He's got some good wins, and yeah. he's he's a vet. I mean, he's he has been in there with the best middleweights in the world. And um, yeah, it just didn't seem like he was the best, one of the best middleweights in the world no. last night when he was fighting Israel. No, and and Adesanya's striking and um, takedown defense was that's all he needed was that takedown yeah. defense and striking, and that was it for Derek Brunson. And I mean, it was such a um, complete domination. I mean, I don't. I think. At the end, there was a question: Did did Derek Brunson land a single punch in the fight? I'm gonna he look will, it up. Actually, I think he landed maybe one or two. That was about it. Yeah, I mean, he did a lot of shorts grabbing. Um, yeah, a lot of that. I mean, really grabbing those shorts. He was. You could. I think that was pulling the shorts. It was clearly his plan was to get him down. I think he. Oh, I yeah. think yes, we have seen that Israel Adesanya has had a weakness on the ground in in previous fights. But you, uh, he's obviously somebody who takes lo- losses as uh, learning opportunities because he always comes back better in the situations that he failed in in, in previous fights. So, like, I don't think he was Brunson was going to have as much success as he thought he was against Adesanya on the ground, even if he got, did get him down this time, you know. But let me let me see the stats. Okay, total strikes landed for Derek Brunson was nine. Really? Nine strikes? Are we looking at the right fight? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Interesting. Hold on, but they say maybe in the clinch or something. He was no. Landing. This well, is on the UFC website. Yeah, this is on UFC's website. This is nine total strikes or nine significant. And wow. the fight ended in the first round, so it's not even like what were those nine strikes? I didn't see him land any. Maybe, like I said, it might just be. But it's like also saying that um, shots in the clinch or something. It's know. also saying that um, Adesanya only landed fifteen, and all of them were fucking devastating. And thirteen of those were significant, significant strikes. Because Adesanya, most of the first round was him just stuffing takedowns. He yeah. wasn't throwing much on the feet. Yeah. He, he he was trying to get Derek Brunson's timing down, and he was anticipating the shot, and he was doing a lot of defense initially. And he said after the fight he wanted to establish his jab more, which he didn't really get the chance to do. Uh, I remember he threw a right straight after I think the before the last takedown attempt that Brunson had. Brunson was 0 for 8 on takedowns, mm-hmm. um, and Brunson's a guy who has very good wrestling. I mean, this guy's he took down Yoel Romero when they fought back in the day. He's got very powerful legitimate wrestling and um he really struggled to take israel down and israel's takedown d is no joke at all and israel after the fight said he wanted him to take him down to kind of be able to show off his ground game off of his back and israel's just one of these guys who is just thinking way way ahead of everyone else he is picking apart his each and every one of his performances, whether win or lose. And he, you know, Paul Felder after the fight said, I'd give him an A. And then Israel's like, eh, B minus. Yeah. You know, right. I could have established a jab. I almost wish he took him took me down so I could show off my ground game and whatnot. I think there was a time where Israel was about to take his back or something after a stuffed takedown. He said, I could have done something better there and whatnot. So Israel is so critical of his performances, but not in like a self-degrading way where he's looking to improve every fight. And he's always looking to level up and in terms of what he likes to say, like his terminology. But 
man, he really does. Like each and every fight from the the fight at the beginning of the year. I don't even remember who the hell he fought. His first fight of the year. Um, Rob's, Rob's Wilkinson. Wilkinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he looked good there, but he struggled to defend a lot of those takedowns. He was defending them, but he was kind of struggling to the Marvin Vittori fight where he was taken down and he faded and he wasn't landing nearly as many strikes on the feet to the incredible amount of improvement he made just from the Vittori fight to the Brad Tavares fight. I mean, he was going for Eminari roles. He was doing great off of his back. Um, he almost choked uh, Brad Tavares out towards the end of the fight. His striking looked incredible. Um, and then to this fight, to where a lot of people were saying he couldn't finish anyone, doesn't really have powerful hands, knocks Brunson out in the first round, dropped him three times. The finishing sequence was absolutely beautiful. It was so fun to watch in real time. And then I've watched that finishing sequence back probably like 10, 15, 20 times by now. Um He's stuffing takedowns, stuffing takedowns. Brunson is starting to get desperate. He shoots like head first for a takedown. Israel times that gorgeous knee right to the chin, rocks Brunson. Afterwards, he lands a multi-punch combination with a knee that drops him. Again, Brunson gets up, lands that crazy-ass question mark kick followed by the straight right that dropped him. And then again, I think another few punches later, dropped him once again. I think he dropped him three times and finished him. Which I don't know if this is technically rare or not but like they were pointing out like how adesanya throws that question mark kick off his lead leg not the rear leg which i think is more traditional right he did it from both because last night the he threw two question mark kicks the first one landed on uh brunson's uh arm and he waved it off and that was the lead the second one he threw came from the back oh it did okay yeah it was a. Uh, it was from the back, and then he threw the right straight right yeah. afterwards, and the right straight dropped him. Yeah. But he was so accurate with the strikes, so patient, precise. Man, this guy is everything you get excited about with like a new up and coming fighter and contender. Like people like Israel Adesanya and just like Habib and John Jones and Anderson Silva back in his prime and Conor McGregor and Jose Aldo those are these are the type of guys that make me love watching MMA yeah and that's why I'm so excited about Israel when they can display a set of skills that's just far superior to their opponents and they can impose their will in their game on their opponents and the way that he does it in such a dominant fashion just makes me so fucking excited like Man, I was like going crazy watching that shit last night. I was like, God damn, he is everything that we've hoped for, and he's still getting better. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, trying to see. So he's 29. Yeah. So, And we were talking about his whole combat sports career, and a lot of people were talking about how he's inexperienced in MMA. In combat sports, he's not. He's got like 100 professional fights under his belt, talking from kickboxing to professional boxing and everything and MMA combined. So he's got all the experience already. And now he's coming into MMA in his prime of his like career. And he's only 29. He's only going to get better. Yeah. So what happened? So the, the Costa, um, Romero, Romero fight was just straight up canceled. Yeah. No hope of a rematch or a rescheduling or... I don't think Romero really wants the fight because Romero's getting later in his career right now. He's the number one guy in that division, and he kind of only wants big fights. Why would he fight this up-and-coming killer? And I I get it, you know, like we were talking about with the rankings earlier. Um, 
you know, from stylistic matchmaking perspective, that's a crazy ass fight, and I would love to see it. But yeah, that fight was just kind of scrapped. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of where we see Adesanya going from here. He's taken out Brad Tavares, who currently, and this is before Tuesday's rankings change, was at number 10, and Adesanya was at 9. He beat Derek Brunson, who was at number 6. David Branch lost, who was at number 7. Paula Costa is right there at number 8, who would have maybe even win or lose against Romero, probably would have gone been, you know, ranked higher. But then Jacare won, Chris Weidman lost, and then Gaslam's fighting for the title. So who does he fight next? Who does Adesanya fight next? It's like, I want to see that Paulo Costa fight between him and Adesanya. That shit would be crazy. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to erase one of the like up-and-coming contenders. At the yeah. Same. Like, I kind of right. want to see them take out guys who are already Have at the top. Have them meet at the top once they're there. Exactly. Um, with everyone kind of booked, they met, Dana mentioned after the fight that he could be, Israel could be the backup if Gaslam or Whitaker pull out Whoa. for that main event. And uh, when I'm, did he say that? Post fight press conference. Was he like speculating or he said no, it with like confidence? He said that that could happen with confidence. And he also said that they have an opponent in mind for Israel. So I'm not sure who he's referring to with the opponent in mind. He could be referring to Paulo Costa, although he didn't show interest in that fight in the past. Um, I'm trying to think who else because I mean, maybe Rockhold. Fuck. I don't know. Uh, I think Dana shot down the idea of Rockhold, but I w- you got to give Israel a top guy at this point. He just defeated a top six guy um he's got to be right in that top five picture if he's not he's right around probably number six or something so he's got there's jacare who just won yep chris weidman who just lost so i don't think there's much potential for a wide i would honestly if weidman was winning that fight and he won i would say put together weidman and israel yeah and it's like maybe do jacare and israel but at the same time it's like and people want Jacare so to get the It's so crazy title shot. talking about this too, because like we've, this has been a year. He was on the first card that we covered, right? Yeah, or or the second card, something like that. The first one, yeah. So this has been a year, and we're already talking about Israel Adesanya, this outsider, this newcomer, against Chris Weidman, who's been here since what two thousand and what two thousand eight. Something like that. You yeah. know, like... He beat Anderson in 2013. He's already there, you know? Yeah, it, it didn't take long at all. And he, his prog- like his progress has just been insane, yeah. too. And we've seen that fight by fight. And I remember when he first started this year, I'm like, man, the potential is crazy. You know, probably in a few years. It's been one year, not even an entire year. It's been from February to now, so what, 10 months or so? Yeah. And he's gone from being this, like you said, outsider to probably being within the top five. Yeah. And I could see him beating a lot of those guys in the top five. I could see him beating Chris Weidman right now. I would probably favor him over Chris Weidman right now. And Luke Rockhold's a super interesting fight. Man, I didn't expect it, honestly. I didn't expect it at all. For me, the Jacare matchup, if that happened, is scary. For Israel. For Israel. For the ground game alone. I agree with that. Chris Weidman also, right? If if he's got 
that wrestling background. And that's like high level wrestling we're talking about now. Not just that, yeah, I was a wrestler in college. Like, this is like the highest of the high level. Right. Luke Rockhold, maybe not so much, but he's also crazy standing up then. He's crazy on the ground too. Rockhold's really good on the ground too. And then Yoel Romero is just a a savage. (laughs) But I think, honestly, if Romero gets uh, Adesanya down, it's done immediately. Yeah. If, I, but the way that Romero fights with those wait, you know, wait until the pick my time and then explode kind of thing, I bet you Adesanya is picking him apart before he gets to explode by then. Yeah, and that's kind of the way the Robert Whitaker fight went. Robert Whitaker was picking him apart and then got clipped, but. With Israel, Israel's a finisher. Yeah. And a couple of those fights didn't really depict him being a finisher, like against Brad Tavares, where he picked him apart for five rounds, but Brad's got a crazy chin. And Romero's got a crazy good chin, too. But if Israel's picking those shots and he's making Romero miss and miss and miss, and that's the thing, Israel's defense is crazy. It's just, can he stuff those takedowns from the really high-level wrestlers? Like, can he stuff Romero's takedowns? Can he stuff Weidman's? Can he stuff Jacare's? Can he stuff Luke Rockhold's? If he can stuff those guys' takedowns, and if he does get taken down, what can he do off of his back? Those are the big questions. And against Brunson, we had quite a few questions answered in regards to his takedown defense, but not the answers we wanted compared to, like, Yoel Romero taking him down. You yeah. know what I mean? However, I, I honestly, matchmaking-wise, I'd favor Israel to beat Robert Whitaker because Robert Whitaker doesn't have that wrestling threat. He's got very good hands. He's got very good boxing, and he's got great striking. But, you know, he does get hit. And I think Israel has better striking overall than Robert Whitaker. I'd favor him over, like, Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gaslam. Um, I'd favor him over Weidman. I'd favor Pro- and the, the fights that get a little blurry for him are Romero, in my opinion. I think it's Jacare, and mm-hmm. I think it's like Rockhold. Um, otherwise, I see Israel beating most of those guys up there. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Now we're here. Now it's now it's big time. The yeah. Top five. I mean, he's he's there. There's no one there's no one above him besides the top five. And then Paulo Costa. Which I'm not sure if he's gonna be above him anymore. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So here we're here. He's it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the rankings play out. Like not that we uh, value rankings that much, but how the fighters do and the UFC right. does. I'm interested to see how it all plays out because Weidman lost, Shakare won, uh, Cannoneer won, Branch lost, uh, Derek Brunson lost, Israel won. How was everything going to play out? Where's Paulo Costa going to be at? Um, where's is Weidman going to end up under Israel after this? You know what I mean? So we're going to have to see how it all plays out. Yeah. But so, okay, that's the card. Overall, out of 10, what did, what did you think of it? I enjoyed it. I'll, I'll give it an 8. I, I enjoyed an it eight. overall. I mean, if we're talking from the beginning of the making of the card and all of the different you know fight fallouts, yeah. I would probably give it like a 6 or 7 just because I was expecting so much more. With Madison Square Garden cards, the past two have been three title fights yeah each of them so now we're just getting this you know put together last minute heavyweight title fight 
and some other pretty good fights going on. But the way it all played out, I enjoyed it. And just watching it from a fan's perspective, not caring about all that other shit, I enjoyed it, and I would give it an 8. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. That's a good score. I, I think it was an 8. It was fun. Some satisfying victories happened. Some interesting uh, developments with people changing weights and showing what they can do there. And um, a lot of scary dudes, dude, in that 185 division that we got to see last night. So, yeah. Yeah, that was impressive. Um, Not the fights we wished we saw, but for what we got, I was happy with it. Um, You got any news? Oh man, what have we? What there's so much that we missed over the past couple weeks. Yeah, uh, Ben Askren, Demetrius Johnson, that whole trade. Yeah, the happened. first ever trade, first ever MMA trade that I can think of. Yeah, transpired. Um, that occurred. All of the stuff with Habib and the Nevada State Athletic Commission and what he's going to do or what he's not going to do. Uh, John Jones and Alexander Gustafson and Chris Cyborg and Amanda Nunes had a press conference this past week. Um, there's a lot to talk about. So what do you want to start with? Uh, well, I guess the most relevant to what we just talked about is the John Jones-Gustafson fight yep. because they are light heavyweights and DC, I guess, is still the champion for them. Um, I don't know. So you were you were talking about you were impressed or kind of interested in how high uh, John Jones was on himself for having come back after such a long stint away. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I was impressed with how Jones handled himself at the press conference for the most part. Yeah, um, he's there have been times where he's come back and, in my opinion, shown a little bit of insecurity after. You know, testing positive for this or getting uh, getting to the hit and run or testing positive for cocaine, all that type of stuff. But now it just seems that he's entirely embraced his villain role, and he's he's going the route that you know I'm innocent and I don't take steroids still, and he's not holding back and he doesn't really care what other people think. Right. And he's supremely confident in his abilities at this point. And I remember back in the day he used to not look at the fighters that he fought at weigh-ins and stare-downs. He would look away from them, and he would stand right next to them but look away. Now he looks guys right in the eyes. Like, he, the stare-down with Gustafson, he sized up Gustafson, looked him up and down and everything, and just, he seemed like he was smelling fresh meat. You know what I mean? Well, you know what it looked like? It looked like he had been watching what Conor McGregor does. I agree. It was the same facial expression, like... You think so? The deep, the deep breath right in your face and then staring down at your lips. It almost was a replica a of little bit. blue lips. <laughs> it was his own little version. Yeah. I think he's but I think he's embracing his own type of role. Like I don't yeah, think yeah. he's copying Connor. No, I just but if he's going to change his demeanor, yeah. there's somebody to model after and everybody watches Connor. So it it's going to seep into something, you know? Sure, yeah. If I was a fighter and I'm looking at how do I approach... If if part of the war begins in the mental game before the fight, who's the best at winning that? Well, Connor. Okay, what's he doing right? And then I'm going to model, you know, accordingly. So it just... If you're a competitor, you you're you're probably thinking like that, you know? And, and there's got to be some of that in John Jones and the way he was handling himself at the press conference but for sure i think he's definitely tried to emulate guys like connor 
Um, maybe even looked at like boxers and whatnot, yeah. and, like the way Floyd handles some of his press conferences and looked like Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder and whatnot, who those two are fighting, by the way. Um, but yeah, it just seemed that he fully embraced his role as this villain and he's fully confident in his ability to just kind of have fun and make it a little bit of a show at press conferences. He answered a lot of questions really well. Um, they asked him the question about the snitch clause in USADA and he shut it down really quick. And I actually think Chael Sonnen pointed something out and he didn't answer the question, but he handled the question. And I liked the way that he worded that, but that was a good take there. But I just, I liked the overall vibe I got from him. And I liked the vibe I got from Gustafson too. Gustafson wasn't scared at all of John Jones. In his mind, he won that first fight. And in Jones's mind, he won that first fight. And both of them are supremely confident going up against each other. And the first, the first fight was incredible. It was amazing. It was easily the best light heavyweight title bout in UFC, probably MMA history. It was wonderful. Um, I'm excited to see what they do now. Jones has tightened up his, bo- his boxing a lot. And a lot of people talk about Jones's layoff. Gustafson has actually had a longer layoff than John Jones has. Yeah. John Jones last fought in July of last year. I think Gustafson fought in like May or June of last year. So Gustafson's dealt with injuries too. So both of them are coming off a long green rust. Jones has been tightening up his hands where Gustafson was, was probably strongest at. So we'll see if Jones can implement his wrestling in this fight too. Um, I'm very, very, very excited for this. Yeah. Now the whole thing with like the light heavyweight title picture, what do you think about that? Because this is supposed to be for the light heavyweight title and I guess we're stripping Daniel Cormier. So what do you think about that? I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, my initial thought is that's fine because I, I think DC belongs at heavyweight now. I think he's, I, I mean, after making as much money as he's been making, at heavyweight, why keep torturing yourself and doing that weight cut to get down to 205? He's right. happy being fat. He's embraced it. He hikes his pants up really high, <laughs> and he just does his thing. So I don't think... I, I couldn't imagine him fighting at 205 again for the rest of his career. So, yeah. And I'm sure Dana knows... Like, I'm sure the, the high-ups at UFC know that, and they've talked about it. So I don't think this is coming... And he, he defended his title too, right? So it's not like this is coming out of like some kind of. I'm sure DC was just like, yeah, man, I'm just not going to fight at 205 anymore. So just more give him the title. Yeah, more than likely, I could I could see that yeah. being the case. Um, I'm good with it. And like we said, if if DC is going to fight Brock Lesnar next, allegedly, and he has no interest in the third Jones fight, Jones honestly he said the same thing. He doesn't have any interest in another DC fight. He in his mind he won both times. He won definitively the last time. Whether or not it's listed as a no contest now, John Jones sees it as I knocked him out, and that's all there is to it. And yeah. USADA came out and said I'm innocent. So what the fuck's the big deal if he wants to fight Brock Lesnar? He, and Jones even said I'm happy for DC. I'm glad he's got both titles. Let him, you know, I don't want to ruin any more of a shine. <laughs> so <laughs> by beating him again, right. so let him do his thing. Both of them don't really have an interest in the third fight. It seems, and I'm cool with it at this point. If I'm being honest. Would I like to see a third fight? Sure, because it's DC Jones. How can you not absolutely love another fight between those two? But I'm cool with DC being at heavyweight and Jones getting his light heavyweight strap back, which he never really lost. He still has never lost the light heavyweight title. He doesn't really have a loss on his record, if I'm being honest. He's got that one loss to Matt Hamill, quote-unquote, but it ain't a loss. But, hey, I'm cool with it. 
it is what it is. Get the light heavyweight division rolling again. Daniel Cormier is probably just going to fight Lesnar and retire anyway. So I'm good with it. Jones is 30, 31 years old. He's got a lot left of his career as long as he can keep it intact. Please, God, keep it intact, John. I want to see him fight. I want to see him compete. I don't want to see him fuck up anymore. Get rid of USADA, for God's sake. Just do, (laughs) I don't know, do something. Do something. Let's get, I don't know. Yeah. But I'd love to see John Jones prosper. So I'm, I'm excited to see him back. And then what are your thoughts on Ben Askren? I'm excited for it, if I'm being honest. Um, Demetrius Johnson leaving and going to one, he's extremely happy about it, which is what matters. Let's be honest. 125 is nobody's favorite weight division. And I think they're probably going to do away with it. That's what um, a lot of people are speculating, and that's even Henry Henry Cejudo was on Joe Rogan's Uh podcast, I think, this past week, and he mentioned that they're probably going to do away with it. And they're probably going to do Cejudo and TJ Dillashaw for the really? Bantamweight Championship, which I'm not really interested in it. But if they're getting rid of that division and both of those champions are going to come together and fight, eh, sure, why not? Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with it if that's the case. But yeah, 125 isn't really a thing in the UFC. There's yeah. like two popular fighters right now in that division. There, there was DJ, like Sergio Pettis, um, and, uh, and Henry Cejudo, and that was about it. And like Joseph Benavidez. That, yeah, but even those guys didn't really bring any numbers or anything. Demetrius Johnson and a lot of people do want to bash the UFC, and Dana White is definitely um, partially the cause for some of the bashing. The way he would talk about Demetrius Johnson not wanting to fight TJ Dillashaw, and you know, saying that he doesn't do enough promotion, blah blah blah, and this and that. But the UFC has done quite a bit for DJ coming up. He co-main evented a lot of pay per views. He main evented a lot of pay per views. They gave him promotions. It just didn't. Not he didn't draw too much fan interest, and when he broke the the uh, the title defense record, not too many people were too interested in it either. It just seemed that yeah, because it's easy to say when you're like in one of those bookend divisions, like the lightest or the heavy the heaviest. It's like a bell curve. Like we know that the the consolidation of talent is right there in the middle. That's why 155 is the way it is, right? Right. It is the it is the optimum weight and size and height for the best fighting to occur. 125, you're I don't know. There's not a lot of people that are that size. So you're not fighting, you know what I mean? Like there's not, you know. I think people could tell too that the people he were fight he was fighting weren't quite as good as him right and they weren't quite as good at the people at 135 and dj was just running a division that wasn't didn't have that much talent in it at the time and then he finally fought someone with some talent henry cejudo not to say the guys he fought didn't have talent but the talent level comparative to him and when they did it was really competitive and a fun fight and it was awesome to watch but Aside from like DJ and Cejudo, who else is there at 125 really? DJ has cleaned the whole division out. Henry Cejudo has cleaned just about the whole division out as well. So now DJ's off at one. He's going to go probably win their championship and do his thing over there, make a shit ton of money and live his life and be popular. He was never a fan of all the trash talking and whatnot that sold fights for the UFC. One's going to pay the hell out of him and he's excited about it. I'm excited to see a new face in the UFC and Ben Askren. Ben Askren, uh, and talks about going to the UFC has been discussed for years around the MMA community. And I'm excited to see what he can do 
in that 170 pound division. He's still advoc- He's one of the people as well advocating for the 165 pound division um, because he has stated up front that he's not going to fight Tyron Woodley. Him, him and Tyron are like best friends and they don't want to ever fight and that is what it is. So, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do against these top guys. He's got a couple decent wins over some good competition, but not UFC caliber. And Ben Askren has a very similar fighting style to Habib with the folk style wrestling and the way as soon as he gets somebody on the ground, it's just pure domination. Yeah. So can he do it to these guys in the UFC at the highest level? I'm excited to see that. Yeah. And I've got to be honest, if I'm weighing what I'd prefer to see more, I'm be honest. I prefer to see Ben Askren in the UFC than DJ in the UFC. Yeah, if I'm being me honest. Me too. Yeah, that's exactly what I felt when I saw that. I just, and then I'm I'm a big fan of that Habib wrestling style, that dominating style, and I mean it's just and but now it's just a bigger dude doing it, right? We're at 170 instead of 155 pounds. So, yeah, um, I'm I'm excited about that. I think DJ got the raw end of the deal because he's gonna. I don't even know how to watch a one championship fight. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, where for do sure. they where are they aired on? Um, like, I think they're streamed for free actually. Oh really? I think it might be on YouTube. It could be wrong. I think it oh. might be on YouTube. Okay. Um but uh, Eddie Alvarez just went to one as well. Yeah, you yeah, saw yeah. that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're starting to stack up a little bit of guys. It'd it'd be nice to see some more promotions get some better guys, I think. Um and of course like plenty of guys have been going over to Bellator from the UFC and has sort of been the has been division, yeah, for Bellator of the UFC, but yeah, still, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I want to see the best guys in their prime compete in the UFC, yeah, and that's what we're getting right now with Ben yeah, Askren. So sure. I'm looking forward to it, yeah. So that's really all I got. You want to spar? Let's. Spar. Um, one. I just want to get your take about this real quick. Um, a lot of people have been still discussing the topic and we, over the past couple of weeks, we missed a lot of the news that come out, that has come out. Um, there's been recent news of Habib and potentially George St. Pierre fighting. Um, there's also been Dana White talking about he wants Tony Ferguson next. I don't know what the hell's true, what the hell's not true. Before we exit, what do you want to see next for Habib Nurmagomedov? What do you want to see next for Conor McGregor? Tony Ferguson for Habib. And Conor McGregor, uh, I don't even know. Yeah. Who, what, what would... I, I definitely want to see Tony Ferguson next for Habib. If the GSP fight is made, I'm like, that's fine. It'd be cool. I'm not going to get mad about it, but I want to see that damn Tony fight. Um, For Conor, what, do you, what can you do? Connor said he'd fight the next in line if it wasn't Habib. You know what would be fun is if uh, if if Connor McGregor wanted to go up and wait again and then against Colby Covington. <laughs> and just imagine the, the type of shit talking that would happen. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> it Connor would be would... the best in the game versus the worst, worst in the, of the game. game. <laughs> and it would just be like... This insane marketing campaign of like <laughs> shit talking, you know what I mean? If we're I'm gonna laughing. if we're gonna do it, if we're gonna market like that, then put you know the two top shit talkers against each other, and one who's terrible at it, one who's good at yeah. it. Yeah, um, that would be cool. Uh, real quick as well, we we're talking about one seventy. Just mentioned Colby Covington. Um, the UFC regards to Ben Askren apparently is looking to book Darren Till versus Ben Askren. 
and Stephen Thompson versus Robbie Lawler on the same card, I think, at UFC London in March of next year. Oh, okay. So that's interesting. Um, Darren Till and Ben Askren have been going back and forth. Um, I think that's a bad matchup for Darren Till. Oh, yeah. I mean, we just saw why with yeah. Taron, uh, I mean, sorry, Tyron, Tyron Woodley. Woodley. Yeah. Like, you're going to, it's, that's the blueprint now. And Ben Askren, if anybody, is going to be able to implement that. So, yep. uh, yeah, that's probably not so good. Yeah. But for uh, for Habib, I definitely want to see Tony Ferguson. And Connor. everyone talks about the Nate Diaz third fight, and I've just kind of lost interest in that at this point. Yeah. I don't know. I would. I think it would be dope to see Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor go at it again. Dustin yeah. Poirier has improved yeah. insane amounts since their first fight at 145 yeah. years ago. And connor has been off his game a little bit recently. Um and uh, Dustin Poirier's confidence has gone up a lot. I- I'd love to see that, and I think that would be an awesome boxing match and awesome fight and just in general. That'd I think be awesome, yeah. I-, I would love to see that fight. Yeah. Dustin Poirier's kind of like rejuvenated at 155. Another guy, moved divisions, just rejuvenated. Yeah. Um, looks Has looked amazing recently. So that would be an awesome fight to book. Do that. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Don't, no more of this uh, Floyd Mayweather talk for Habib. Please, nah. God, stop it. Please. You got anything else? I think that's it. How yeah, long that's it. We long ass episode. Yeah, out. yeah we're good. <laughs> we we had to catch up, man. We got to catch up. Yeah, for being off for quite a while. This was a good episode to get back on track with. So, we're back, guys. Thanks for sticking around and listening to us. And we'll catch you guys next week. See you later. See you.